Tov, everyone. There is one mitzvah that is repeated more times in the Torah than any other mitzvah, and that has to do with treatment of gerim. Literally, a ger is a stranger, a uh, someone who is not uh, part of the society originally, and. Uh, In terminology, a gear has become a uh, convert. And the, uh, we are bidden to take extra care. We're not supposed to harm any Jew or anybody else, but there's an extra level of care that has to be taken and adjusted in order to treat a gear uh, correctly. Now, in the Torah, uh, there are two types of gerim. There is what we call a gear tzedek. That's a full convert. A non-Jew that wants to become Jewish, he or she agrees to accept all of the mitzvot, if he's a male, he undergoes uh, circumcision. Uh, Gerd Sedek is immersed in the mikveh and uh, proclaims in front of a din his willingness to abide by the laws of the Torah and to be a member of the Jewish people. That's a Gerd Sedek. Then there is somebody that's called a Ger Toshav. We meet him in this week's Parsha. Who is he? And it's two separate things, Gerim and Toshavim. And the Rabboni Shalom himself says to the Jewish people, Ki Gerim v'Toshavim atemi modi. So who's a Ger Toshav? So the Mephorshim explain that the word Toshav means that he has, or he or she, has uh, the right to live in Eretz Israel, to live within a Jewish society, but not to convert. He doesn't convert. He remains a non-Jew, but he is uh, entitled to all the benefits of living in the Jewish society and of living especially in Eretz Israel. So how does one become a Ger Toshav? To become a Ger Tzedek, I've discussed with you, the procedure is... uh, uh, relatively uh, clear, but uh, how does one become a Gertosha? So the Rambam says 
Rambam outlines it. She says that uh, a Gertosha is someone who accepts upon oneself the obligations of the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. The seven commandments of the Noachite uh, view of life that all human beings are bound by. So included in the uh, Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach not to murder, not to steal, not to be immoral, and not to uh, uh, eat from the limbs of a living animal, a living creature. Naturally, the acceptance of uh, monotheism, and not to have anything to do with idolatry. So then the question arises, that applies to every human being. What's special about a Geratoshev? Every human being is obligated in the seven mitzvahs of B'nai Noach, respect the parents, all of the things. And the seven mitzvahs are really uh, the, uh, developed in the Tosefta that really are 36 mitzvahs. But it's a moral code that everyone uh, allegedly agrees to. It's the basis of a civilized society. So now what's a Ger Toshav? So the Rambam adds, in order to deal with this issue, Rambam adds that the Ger Toshav has to make a declaration of the fact that he or she will observe the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach in front of a Jewish Besdin. So he, doesn't, he or she does not undertake anything more than he or she was responsible for before. It's always chayv in the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach. What makes the person the Ger Toshav is that there's this formal declaration of the acceptance of the Sheva Mitzvahs in front of a Jewish bastard. That's the sheet of the Rambam. we find in Tanakh that there were many Gerim Toshovim. In the time of Shmuel and Ovi, in the time of Shoal and David, later, there were uh, the uh, general of Aram, who was cured of Tzorat uh, by Elisha, that a prophet, uh, he, uh, in the Gemara, he's listed as a Ger Toshav. So there were these people around that lived in the Jewish society or had the right to live in the Jewish society, but were not Jewish. 
and they're not expected to be Jewish. But the uh, prescription to be uh, uh, extra kind, considerate, sensitive to Gerim applies to them as well. And therefore, uh, you're, uh, see, there's a difference between, for instance, uh, the uh, Givonim in the time of Yoshua, who uh, joined the Jewish people and converted, and they hid the fact that they were really Canaanites. So, but they are real converts, even though there is a stigma attached to it. They're to, we're talking there about Gerit Tzedek. The Gerit Toshovim is a different matter completely. So that's the, the Rambam. There are many Rishonim that have a different opinion. And they say that anybody who says he's a Ger Toshov is a Ger Toshov. In other words, the declaration in front of a Betin is not necessary. A person who says, I observe the seven mitzvahs, let's say... To put it, and we'll talk about it in a minute. How relative it is, today, relevant it is today. But a person comes and says, "I want to be an Israeli citizen." How does he become a citizen? In I'm talking about the Jewish agency. So he says, "I want to live in Eretz Israel. I want to be able to own property in Eretz Israel. I want to tell you that I am a fully observant Noahite. I observe all of the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noah. He does not go in front of a Bezdin. He tells it to a clerk in, uh, you know, in the Misrata Klita. So according to many of the Rishonim, he is a Ger Toshev. That's sufficient to be a Ger Toshev. Once he's a Ger Toshev, he is entitled, so to speak, to all of the benefits of uh, living with Klan Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael. So we have here a fundamental difference as to whether or not a Ger Toshev requires formal conversion, which a Ger Tzedek requires, or whether a Ger Toshev is a much more elastic situation. It doesn't really require all the formalities. But he is a Ger Toshev. Now, uh, the question therefore arises in halacha, 
is there such thing as a Gertosha of Bismanazeh in our time? In other words, all the examples of Gertosha that we find were in the time of the Beit HaMikdash or were in the time of the, uh, the uh, prophets of Israel, prophecy was present, etc. But since all of that is gone, And it really depends, uh, so they want to bring proof that there were Gary and Toshovim in the time of the Bayacheni. But the time of the Bayacheni, there also was a Beit HaMikdash. And when it says in the uh, Nodhi, Ki Beiti Beit Yikorei Amim, that means that or that the Novi says that the Gerim Toshovim will uh, operate in the Migdash, so to speak. They will also be part of the Jewish people. They'll be able to uh, bring uh, sacrifices, Karbonot. They'll be able to benefit from the Beit HaMikdash. So what about Bizman What about today? No Beit HaMikdash. Now, in our time, it became more complicated because there's a Jewish state, so to speak, that that controls the land. The Jews have independence here. It's called a Jewish state. So then, to attach oneself to the state but not to Judaism. So that's one question. Is that a Ger Toshev? We, we live with that problem, and it's a very severe problem. But you have a lot of people here in the country who speak Hebrew, who serve in the army, who pay taxes, and are not halacha, we Jewish. Do they have a din of a ger toshev? <coughs> if they have if the uh, status of a ger toshev, then we have to do everything possible to uh, bring them nearer to us, to... Uh, see to it that they are not uh, victimized in any way or discriminated against. But if there is no din of Ger Tosha of Bisman and there are many Rishonim who hold that Ger Tosha only will apply in the Messianic era, doesn't apply anymore. So then we have a problem. What are these people? So we can artificially say they're citizens of a country. But in halacha, that is not a status. A citizen of a country doesn't exist. Now, there's a practical problem here uh, that we see... uh, this year is the Shemitah year, right? We assume that it's the Shemitah year. There's a 
not clear the dates are not exact, but let's say we've accepted that this is a Shemitah year. So beginning in the, the 1870s, 150 years ago, Uh, a question arose whether Jewish farmers here in the country are obligated to observe the Shemitah year. At first, it was not much of a problem because there weren't many Jewish farmers. However, uh, the Baron Rothschild started to finance what he called colonies here in the country, like the Vishen Lutzion, other places. And he made a wine company called Carmel. He called it Carmel Mizrahi, East Carmel because West Carmel was in France. So, the uh, colonies were supported by the Baron, but they also were supported by the Chovavetzion, which was an organization in Russia of... uh, Jews of all stripes uh, that uh, raised money to support Jews who lived here in the land of Israel. So what happened was that the uh, the Carmel Wine Company. Uh, was going to produce grapes and wine for Shemitah year, I think it was 1882. So they wrote the Baron and they said to him, listen, next year we're going on vacation. We're not going to work anymore. Just send a check. Shemitah, we'll have study groups, the the vines will rest from producing, we're not going to work. The Baron felt that he was being taken advantage of. He did not invest in Carmel wine in order to become a millionaire, he already was a millionaire. To him it was a, uh, a noble and spiritual endeavor for which he was willing to sacrifice money. But here he felt he would be taken for a fool. They're not going to work. They're not going to do anything. He's going to support them. And part of his idea from the beginning was that he's trying to create a situation 
where Jews in the country will be self-sufficient, where eventually they don't need money from the outside. They have an economy that, that will generate uh, sustenance for everybody in the country. So he said, no, he's going to close down the colonies. At that time, uh, the colonies were populated by almost all uh, exclusively religious Jews. So then the Shiloh arose, what do we do? The uh, secretary of the Chovavetzian was the rabbi of Bialystok, Shmuel Moelever. And uh, he uh, really was frightened that the whole enterprise would now collapse. So he went to the great rabbinic authorities in uh, Eastern Europe that they should somehow find a solution to the problem. And uh, he came to Rabbi Yitzchel Specter, who was the Rov in Kovne, Kaunas in Lithuania, and was like the leading posseg of his time, and to other Rabbonim, and they uh, created the infrastructure of what we call today the Heter Mechira. The Heter Mechira was a, uh, it was Mechira's Chomets compounded. It was based on the same ideas. We sell the Chomets to an Anjou. After Pesach, we're going to get it back. Technically, we did not own the Chomets during Pesach. So therefore, we didn't violate anything. That's it. It's refined with all sorts of technicalities, etc. But that's the basic idea. So Yitzhak Chomets said, we'll do the basic idea by regarding Shemitah as well. We'll sell all the land in Eretz Israel. To a non-Jew. And uh, when the Shemitah is over, we'll buy it back. We'll get it back. Now there are all sorts of technicalities introduced here as well. But basically, that was the idea. It was supported by uh, David Tevel Minsker, Nachlas David, and by other great rabbonim in Lita. It was very, uh, very well accepted. There was one major dissenter, though. And that was the Nitziv of Alojan, but not only Tzvi Yehuda Berlin. Now the irony was that the Nitziv was the president of the Chovavetziyah. And he, uh, as long chulis in his, 
Abrahamic territory rights, in which he says, basically he says, this subterfuge is in order to avoid a rabbinic problem, because Shemitah B'zman everybody holds is only the Ramanan, so it's only a rabbinic problem, and we're not sure what year the Shemitah is or not. So to avoid what, quote, is a minor, unquote, problem, we're going to violate a Torah principle. The Torah principle is lo techonem, lo lahem chania bakarka. You're not allowed to sell Jewish land and Eretz Israel to non-Jews. That's a lav in a Torah. So he's, his famous uh, phrase was that in order to flee from the bear, you run into the mouth of the lion. And therefore, he said the heter is not uh, not viable. Now, the opposition of the Nitziv was a major, major blow, and the argument that he put up is uh, a legitimate argument. So, how do we get around that? So, uh, Rav Cook, in his famous uh, book, uh, Shabbat Oretz, discusses the issue. And he says that the Muslims who live in Palestine with us are Gerim Toshovim. They have a din of a Ger Toshov. There is no prohibition to sell Jewish land to a Gertosha. And therefore, he said, we have to find a, a religious Muslim, so to speak, which there are many, and uh, we'll sell the land to him. And he is allowed to own land in Eretz soil because he's a Gertosha. Now this assumes that there's a Gertosha of Bismanaseh that in our time uh, this status of a Gertosha exists and it also assumes that you don't have to do anything to become a Gertosha. He just has to agree to the seven Noahide principles which Rav Cook said and other Meforshim agree the religion of Islam uh, <coughs> agrees to. The Rambam holds it is much more monotheistic than Christianity, for instance. And therefore, uh, that's the solution. And that has been the solution for the last 150 years.
So it's based on a Ger Toshev. And it's based on a Ger Toshev Bisman Azeh. So then we have this quandary. If they're all Ger Toshevim, then we have to treat them like a Ger Toshev. We have these 36 lot. And then there's another interesting point is that most of the uh, problematic citizens, halachically speaking, here in Israel, are not Muslims. They are usually uh, uh, Christian Orthodox, uh, Eastern uh, Orthodox uh, believers, which... Uh, many, if not most, of the poskim hold to be a Vodazor. Because they worship icons and on statues and all sorts of things. And that will therefore uh, prevent them from uh, being considered a Gertosha. So we... Uh, see uh, how complex the problem is. And uh, so the rabbinate prefers to deal with it that it's a problem for the state. It's a citizenship problem. It's not a uh, it's not a halachic problem. They're never going to be Jewish. We're never going to recognize them to be Jewish unless they go through a proper conversion but they can be citizens of the state, and whatever the state decides citizens are entitled to, they're entitled to. Whether this is, in the long run, a uh, viable position is difficult to uh, ascertain, because now you're talking about X number of people but the X number of people have children, have grandchildren, have great-grandchildren. They, you're, talk, you're talking about a potential of a very large section of the population 50 years from now. What shall we do then? And that is part of the great complication that exists. So you see how uh, halachic definitions... Psukim uh, in the Torah are relevant to everyday life, especially here in the land of Israel, especially under a Jewish state. So have a Shabbat Shalom, and thank you for coming, and we'll see you next week, God willing. You know what Gilbert said about the long